Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, I want to share something with you this morning. I Yesterday, I ran in my first 5K run. And uh, yeah, uh, and I came in first in the men's division. Now, before you see that as an accomplishment, there were five other runners. Two of them were 80, and the other two were six years old. So I'm still happy about that. Uh, uh, I'm excited about the series that we're in and the story. And if uh, you're reading through the book, The Story, you know what part we're in today. And I would encourage you that if you... Uh, haven't picked up the book, The Story, uh, you can even download that on iTunes uh, if you haven't done that, or we have some available at the uh, Welcome Center if you want to pick that up. And what we're doing is we're chronologically going through the whole Bible and seeing how these each individual stories that we're looking at each week, how does that fit in with the story of the Bible? And, and, and whether we realize it or not, God has one overarching story and that's his redemption of man that god is still reaching out to his creation he still wants to save us even with all the stuff that we see that's going on in our world today and we see all this bad stuff and you know we see diseases that that are are keeping us on edge now and whether or not we should fly or what should we do all these things are in the back of our mind but i want to let you know today that there is a savior And it's Jesus Christ who's still reaching out to us today to say, you are not lost and I am here to redeem you, to buy you back, to take all the messed up things in your life and to redeem them to myself and to fix all your brokenness. And whether or not you realize that, the Old Testament talks about God's redemption of man. And many of us are intimidated to read the Old Testament because it just doesn't make sense. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to make sense of the Old Testament. And how do those puzzles, how do those individual stories fit in with the overarching story of God's redemption for man? And I want to read this scripture right off the bat to you in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. And I want you to listen to this because I want you to see what God is saying to his people as God establishes relationship with his people Israel. As God takes them out of bondage in Egypt and leads them into the desert, God says this in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3. It says, God spoke all these words, and he said this, I am the Lord, your God. And if you've got a Bible and you underline in your Bible or you highlight in your Bible, let me just say that's okay to do that. I love to see messed up Bibles, because that lets me know that you're reading your Bible. If you've got a, a personal device, then highlight that in your personal device. But I like this. It says, I am the Lord, your God. Underline that, your God. I am your personal God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. There was a man named A.J. Jacobs, and he is an author who grew up in New York City, Uh, He grew up in a secular Jewish home, and uh, he relates that uh, the closest Jewish thing that they ever did in their home was to hang the Star of David on top of the Christmas tree. So that's basically the closest thing they ever did that was Jewish. And he didn't understand why there was still religion in our world today. So what he did was he got a Bible, 
He began to read it, and with a highlighter in his hand, he began to underline all the commandments of God. And so he tried an experiment. He's kind of an experimental author. And so what he was going to do is he was going to try to live as biblically as he could for one year. True story. And this is chronicled in his book, The Year of Living Biblically, One Man's Humble Quest to Follow the Bible as Literally as Possible. So he made no effort in distinguishing between whether it was a moral law or a civil law or a ceremonial law. It was this simple. He read it and he did it. And so what he did was he let his hair grow out. He, uh, he had pebbles. I'm not lying. He had pebbles that he would carry in his pocket. And if he saw somebody that was a Sabbath breaker or doing something on the Sabbath, he'd throw stones at him. He'd throw pebbles at him. If he knew someone was committing adultery, he'd take his stones out and he would throw pebbles or stones at them. He was so fanatical about the dietary food laws that he would actually try to find fruit that was produced by a tree that was actually five years or older. And, and as interesting and funny as the book is, and literally trying to follow the law as perfectly as he could, and as funny as you might think this is, a year after doing this, um, and the book did become a bestseller, it, the sad thing of this whole experiment is this, is that Jacob's got to know the laws of God, but, re- but really never met God. Never really met the God who made these laws. And maybe you grow up, Maybe this is your issue today. Maybe you grew up and, and you knew the rights and the wrong. Maybe you grew up in a religious family. Maybe you grew up in a family that went to church and, and maybe you're kind of finding your way back. Maybe you lost your way for a while and you're starting to say, you know what, I, I need to find my way back. But maybe you grew up and you knew all the rights and wrong, but you really didn't know God. That was That was my story. Or maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you see the Bible as a bunch of rules that you follow. And if you don't play all the reindeer games, then you can't play. Maybe you didn't even care if you broke any of the commands. You don't care what the commandments say. You live by your own moral code. And so what we're doing in this series is that we're trying to take the confusion out of the Bible. And I believe going through it chronologically will help us to understand who God really is and what is the purpose for all these things. And where we are in the story now is we found that Israel found themselves in slavery to Egypt for 430 years. And God chose to raise up Moses to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. Pastor Mike did a great job talking about that last week. And what we've discovered is God's plan is not going to be thwarted. He doesn't care who you are, how big your kingdom is, how many know that God is bigger than all that. And God will fulfill what God needs to fulfill. And so each event, we see God's saving power. We see the deliverance that can only come through God. And so God would bring Israel into the desert under the leadership of, uh, of Moses And for 40 years, God would lead them. So in the desert, God establishes, like we saw in the cute little video, God established his relationship with them. And then through that, he would bring his commands, his expectations. Now, here's what I want you to see today about the commandments. The commandments of God, the law of God, was never meant to show you how perfect you can be. See, what happens is, 
as we look at these laws and these 10 commandments, and then we see them as a checklist of what I need to do and how good I can be. So if I go to church and I try to be a good boy and I don't smoke, chew, or go with girls that do, then, then I'm doing okay. And so, so we get in our mind that, that this is a list of rules that I must accomplish to see how good I can be. You see, here's the problem. The commandments show us how holy God is and that we could never keep them perfectly. The law was given to us as boundaries to show us how to have a right relationship with God and others. They are there to protect us. They're like guardrails. The bottom line is we have all broken God's law in one way or another. We are all lawbreakers here. No one has kept them perfectly. How many of you have ever told a lie or a fib, whether it's small or big, right? And, and, and if you think you haven't, then you just lied right then. So now you're with all of us, okay? So listen, we ask the question, then, then, then Pastor Barton, why was the law given? Was it given to show us how much we've just messed up? Because that's why I gave up on church so many years ago, because I just felt like I couldn't be a good Christian, or I just felt like I couldn't measure up, and I made too many mistakes in my life to even go to church. And many people don't go to church because they feel like, why even go to church and just, and just be preached to and made to feel guilty? I can play golf and feel guilty. Right? I could be doing a million other things and feel guilty. Why come to church and then made to feel guilty? That's the way a lot of people look at their relationship with God. But the commandments, they show us how holy God is, that we are totally dependent on him for our righteousness. So what does God do? Well, I want, to understand, I want you to understand something about God, that God is just not some being in heaven that is just laying all these rules down, waiting for you to mess up so he can say, aha, you messed up. That's not, that's not what God intended to do with the commandments. So what does God do? Before he ever gives the commandments to Moses, he first establishes a relationship with him. Listen, people, you've got to get this down. Because I believe there are so many Christians that are messed up in their relationship with God. Because they are trying to live out their relationship with God through a set of rules and not first establishing their relationship with God. So many people who are trying to follow God miss this one simple truth. You've got to get this. You have to get this because I see so many Christians or people that are trying to follow God that miserably fail over and over again or have so much guilt and condemnation in their walk with God that they serve God, they don't, they do, they don't, they do, and they backslide, then they serve God, they come back to you, then they, they walk away. Something is wrong. Something is askew. Something is misfiring in our relationship with God. And more than that, our understanding of the character of God and who he really is. And listen, I'm with you. I know a lot of people misrepresent God. I know there's a lot of people that in the name of Christianity do a lot of wrong things, but let's look at the character of God and who he really is. So before God ever lays out these commandments, these laws to the Israelites, he first establishes relationship with Moses. And the way he does this is God speaks covenantal language, not contractual language with us. Now, what, what do I mean? A covenantal language is a relationship. 
God says, I'm going to establish my relationship with you that I established with your father Abraham and I will complete that covenant through your people. Now listen, God didn't set up a contract with them. God didn't have them sign something that the minute you mess up, it's all over. But he speaks covenantal language. Now, now how, how, do, how do we make sense of this? The only way I can even make sense of this so you can understand it is, is, is a wedding or when two people get married and they stand before the preacher and they read their vows to one another. Okay, now, now what, is, what, is, what is at the crux of, of the, the vows? The vows are, are not contractual, right? They're not a prenup that you sign, right? How many just that gets you all warm and fuzzy when you think of a prenup, right? But let's sign a prenuptial because we know this marriage is going to end, right? Because most of them do. So we need to protect ourselves. So let's sign a prenuptial agreement, you know, and, and can you imagine two people? Can you imagine two people standing for the pastor and they're like, okay, pastor, we signed this prenuptial agreement before all the people that have come here today. And could you read that? And then we want to make sure that we sign off on the prenup before all these witnesses so that we can protect ourselves. How many would be like me? I would pick up my gift blender and head out the back door. I'd say, this isn't a wedding. This is, this is a formal law thing that we're going through the motions. What, what, what do vows say? It says, I will never leave you or forsake you for better or for worse, for richer or for Come on, you spouses, start saying it to your spouse right now to remind yourselves of the, right? Are you hearing me? See, what, what language is that? That's covenantal language. The, the marriage is established in that relationship, not a prenup. Do you realize that there are some Scandinavian countries now that you have a wedding license and you can renew that wedding license every so often, like every other year or whatever it is, and you can just break that license and not have to go through the messy divorce or anything like that. And all it is, is a license. Like, like you renew your, your, your driver's license. Okay, honey, do you want to be married next year? No, no, I'm not going to renew the license. Okay, well, then you're free. That's what it is. See, the sanctity of marriage has gone down to that. Can you imagine if God established his relationship with you and I like that? Okay, here's the contract you got to sign. Wouldn't that be sterile without any meaning? But yet that's how, that's how people look at their relationship with God is some contract that we sign just to do the do's and not do all the don'ts. You see, covenantal language says, I'll never leave you, forsake you for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, for sickness and in health. Good days and bad days. The funny thing is, is when we think about God, we always default to the commandments, the thou shall not, right? And, and if we stick a mic in someone's face and we ask them to tell us what the commandments are, they're, they're, they're quick to say, and it's usually the big three, right? They'll know, most people know, you know, you shouldn't murder, right? Uh, uh, don't steal, uh, don't commit adultery, uh, and maybe, maybe they'll throw in, you know, we, we shouldn't lie. But for some reason, we view God through this type of lens. Is that the type of relationship that God desires to have with us? Just making sure we don't do all the don'ts? Follow the rules. 
you'll be good and you'll get to go to heaven. Yay! You get a gold four star on your head, right? It's like this rewards program. And so it's a constant battle to keep the rules and not mess up. But the Ten Commandments, listen to me closely, the Ten Commandments were never given as a condition of that relationship. Boy, I should have got an amen right there. That was a good spot for an amen. Listen, the Ten Commandments were never given as a condition of God's relationship to Moses or his people. They were not given to achieve God's approval or love. If that were the case, we would all be instant failures. I would stop pastoring right now and say, let's shut the doors. Because we make so many mistakes. We broke so many of God's law. But the commandments were given after God established his relationship with them. The commandments were given as God's evidence of his love. This is how you live in right relationship with me. This is how you protect that. Don't worship any other gods. And so what is, what is the devotion to my wife? Well, the devotion of my love for my wife is seen in my actions towards her that I will have no others before her. Can you imagine standing before your wife on your wedding day and you're going through your vows and you say, okay, honey, um, I will be faithful to you 99% of the time. 99, that's pretty good. What do you think she's going to say? See ya. Hit the pavement, brah, right? See, God says, I want you to be faithful to me 100% of the time. That's why I'm established my, my relationship with you. You see, I can say I love my wife all day long, but the evidence, the evidence is how I treat her, how I serve her, how I am faithful to her. And just the opposite is true. I can follow all the rules and have no relationship with my wife and never talk to her. Well, I'm faithful. I bring home the bacon. I supply for my family. Well, when's the last time you told your wife I love you? I don't know, but I supply her needs. I take care of my family. Well, when's the last time you guys went on a date night? Well, I don't know. I still supply her, right? What kind of relationship is that? It's sterile. It has, there's nothing to it. And the only way I can share this with you, I, I believe this is the perfect example of how to, how to, how to hit this home for, for us to understand this. And the best example I could think of this, most theological example I could think of this, is to give the example of the sound of music. How many have ever seen the sound of music? How many of you guys actually admit that you have seen the sound of music? Okay. Now, I just admitted that I like the sound of music. I know my street cred has just gone down, okay? But I admit that I like this. I'm not a musical person. Stick a fork in my head if there's one more song that's being sung in a movie, right? I'm not that, I, I, I'm not into them. I, if I go to a musical, I'm like, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the brochure to see when the last song's coming, okay? I'm not like, oh, sing one more song, please, one more. I just love this. And some people are into it. And that's great for you guys. But for me, it's like having a root canal. But anyways, I do like the sound of music. Um, and I like this one. Now, now, if you watch the sound of music, remember Captain Von Trapp. Remember Captain Von Trapp? Now, his relationship with his kids, because he's a military guy, are all rules and all discipline. And remember he had a whistle? And the way he would... 
have a relationship with his kid is through his whistle. And every whistle meant something different. It was like boot camp in his house. Now, the mother dies and Julia Andrews, Maria, remember Maria? Comes as the governess to bring music back in the house. How do you solve a problem like? Oh, you, that was good. <laughs> that was good. So now, now what she does is, in, in, in the musical, what she does is, is she teaches the captain how to have a relationship with his children because he has no relationship. The only relationship he has is through a whistle. Now, are they disciplined? Yeah. Do they follow the rules? Yeah. But does he have a relationship with them? No. So she brings music back in the house. Now, now, now here's a spoiler alert if you've never seen this, okay? And if you haven't, get a life, all right? Here's the spoiler. They end up getting married, and then they eventually escape from the Nazis through the Alps, and they live happy ever after, okay? So, but what's neat about that is, is she teaches the father how to love the kids, not just through discipline, but through his relationship with us. I want you to understand that God's relationship with us precedes his commandments. And I want you to look at how God established his relationship with his people before the commands were given. Listen to how God spoke. And this is in Exodus 19, verse 1 and 6. Before the commandments are given, listen to God's voice and how he speaks covenantal language to the children of Israel. Listen to what he says here. At Mount Sinai, before the commandments are given, before Moses goes up there, gets the commandments, it says on the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai, and after that, they set out for Rephidim. And they entered the desert of Sinai, and the Israelites camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. This is what you're to say. Now, he doesn't lay out the commandments right away. Listen to what God says. He says this, you yourself have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. What? Is that a God that's up in heaven pointing his finger down saying, here are the Ten Commandments, right? Obey me and everything, and if you don't, you will die, right? What is he saying? He's saying, I'm establishing my relationship with you first. This is how much I love you. This is how much I care for you. I didn't leave you abandoned in Egypt. I took you out of there. I gathered you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, 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 look at the next word, ready? What does it say in verse five? Now, I've established my relationship with you, covenantal language, I've gathered you into my arms, right? But he says, now if you obey and fully keep my commands, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Look at verse four. Verse four is relational language. I brought you to myself. I carried you on eagle's wings. Verse five, you're my treasured possession. The meaning here is you didn't have to work for it. I did everything for you. It's unconditional. You didn't have to work for my acceptance. Now, he says, now 
obey me. So now let's read the commandments in that light, not based on rules, but a relationship, not through a God that doesn't care, that God is just trying to set up a prenup, but through God's love and care, Exodus 21 through 3 that we read in the beginning. Now listen to the way that we should read this in understanding God's care. And God spoke all these words. Listen to how he starts off the commandments. I am the Lord, your God, your God that brought you out of Egypt, that gathered you on the wings of eagles and brought you to myself, who brought you out of Egypt, land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Notice the language. I am the Lord, your God. And see, one of the biggest mistakes that we can make in our walk is to walk with God through just a set of mundane rules. And this is exactly, let's, let's fast forward this and let's wrap this whole thing up because this is exactly what Jesus encountered when he walked the earth. When Jesus walked the earth, he found a bunch of religious people that were following God, who kept the rules of God, who based keeping these rules on on God, not only on on, on what they held, but they stressed these rules over everybody else. and, and, And they made themselves look holy, pious, and righteous. And everybody else, if they didn't keep these set of rules, that you were unrighteous. Until it became so cumbersome that most people could never live up to it. And they were harassed. They, they couldn't follow the rules and they were ostracized. And what did Jesus have to say about that? Matthew 23, 15. What did Jesus say to the religious who tried to keep all the rules and the laws? He says, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel across the land to make what? One single proselyte. One single convert. And then when he does become a convert, you make him twice the much a child of hell as yourself. Okay, this is Jesus talking, people. This is Jesus talking. Let me go on with Jesus' words here and how much he condemned this religious attitude. And, and later on in that chapter, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe, mint, dill, Cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. The, the weightier matters of what? The law. Not that these weren't important, but he said, what are, the, what are the most important things? Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the other. You blind guide, straining out a gnat, and you swallow what? A camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside may also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which hourly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all cleanliness. So you hourly appear righteous to others, but within are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Was Jesus mincing his words here? Was Jesus beating around the bush? Do you think Jesus was very adamant against having a pious religious spirit without any relationship? You see, they knew the law of God, but they didn't know God. They didn't have a relationship with him. Their law keeping was not based on their heart for God and, and humility and sensitivity and servanthood. It was all based on how they looked and how they appeared on the outside. You see, if we're not careful, this is what rule keeping can do. 
It can turn into self-righteousness where we end up judging everyone else. Yet on the inside, our heart is just as unrighteous as everyone else. God gives us the commands to people who are already in a relationship with him. Listen, 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 listen. Isn't it much easier to obey when you know somebody loves you? Do you think I have rules for my kids? You better believe it. Do I get tough on my kids sometimes? You better believe it. Um, But do my kids know that I love them? They do. Why? Because I have a relationship with with, with my kids. And, and, and it, the Bible even tells us that God does discipline us at times, doesn't he? And it's not that he disciplines because he wants to be mean or harsh or hurt us. He does it because he knows what's best for us. And because like a loving father needs to discipline his kids, so does a loving heavenly father need to discipline us at times. The commandments are there because we need them in our lives. They're not there to say how righteous we are so that we can gain God's affection or try to gain access to God, we can't do that. So here's the upper story in this whole thing. You think, Pastor Bard, I've, I mean, let's be honest, I've broken the commands. You know, when I ask people, I'm saying, let me ask you in your relationship right now, you're living with somebody or you're having sex outside of marriage. Let me ask you something. What do the commandments say that, you know, what, what does it say about that? What do you think God thinks about that? And they're like, well, I think that's wrong. I said, then why are you doing it? I don't know. You see, the problem is, if you had a relationship with somebody, you know when you do something that will break that relationship, it hurts you, doesn't it? What? You see, the reason why I don't want to break the commandments of God is not to show my self-righteousness, but not to break my relationship with God because I know how much he's done for me. The reason why I don't want to cheat on my wife is because I love her. I have a relationship with her. I don't want to hurt her. I'm going to do everything to protect her. I'm going to do everything to protect my kids. I'm going to do everything to protect my 13-year-old girl. You come after her, it's going down. Listen, you may be stronger than me, but I can at least outrun you. Okay? (laughs) Because I won a 5K. Don't forget that, okay? Listen, it's all... If it's not... Listen, guys... If your relationship with God is not based in your relationship with God, it's just meaningless works that have no substance. It's dead, it's lifeless, and it's meaningless to God. Jesus Christ came to do for you and I what we couldn't do for ourselves. So what does Jesus say? Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says, listen, there's no way you can fulfill the law. There's no way we could fulfill all 613 of them because you broke them one, you broke them all. But God sent his son, his perfect son, who was God, that Jesus says this, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Fulfill them for who? For us. Jesus came to fulfill the law for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And so what Jesus did in his perfect life is what you couldn't do for yourself. And by you having a relationship with Jesus by faith, 
God now, not only he wipes out the sin that's in our life and not only wipes away the guilt for us breaking his commands, which we've all done, but now he does through our faith in Christ Jesus, through his work on the cross, through the power of his resurrection. Now what God does for us is that when I put my faith in Jesus and I humble myself and I confess my sins and I say, God, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for what I've done because I broke your law. I broke that relationship with you. And then what God does next is that he imputes or imparts Jesus' perfect righteousness into your life. So that now we become the sons and daughters of God. That now we receive that gift of eternal life. So here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ came to forgive you and to fulfill all the laws that you couldn't fulfill for yourself. So here's the thing. I don't, want, I don't want to place any guilt and condemnation on you because I could easily do that and step in everybody's soul. Hellfire and brimstone, pastor. Thank you for stepping on my toes. I'm a sinner and I need to repent, right? And then you go, next day you do the very same thing, right? You feel guilty right now and you're like, man, I need to change. But here's the difference. If it's not based in your relationship with Christ, you're going to go right back to the same lifestyle. Your life has to change. Your view of God has to change from one of trying to keep everything and trying to be religious to one that says, I have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that has caused me to become born again, that has changed me from the inside out. And then from there, what begins to happen is you'll say, the reason why I don't want to steal, the reason why I don't want to commit sexual immorality outside of marriage, the reason why I don't want to do these things is not because I'm not supposed to, but the reason why I don't do them now is because I'm in a relationship with God and I don't want to hurt that relationship. Hmm. If you get that, that's what's going to keep you from looking at things you shouldn't look at. Look at. That's going to keep you from not having an affair on your wife. That's what's going to keep you from all those things. Because what keeps you from all those things is your relationship with God who's forgiven your sins. And you're like, God, I am so grateful for all these things that you've done for me. I don't want to wreck that. I don't want to ruin the relationship that I have with you now because I understand the great lengths that you went through to save me. I tell you what, if your mindset is, well, I can just sin and God will forgive me tomorrow, you don't get it. You don't get it. Because that's not based on a relationship. That's based on what? Works. And I see so many Christians that are just downcast in their spirit because they're trying to serve God out of the sense of duty. That is an endless pit that can never be filled. I'm just telling you. So here's what I want us to do as we close. As we close in song today. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with God. I really don't. I've tried to have a relationship with God through church. It just didn't work out. I mean, I just, I, I just don't have. Jesus says, just come. Come to me, all you who are weary. All you who are downcast. All of you who are just heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Just come to Christ and give your heart to him. It's that simple. 
Jesus says, anyone who comes to me, I will no wise cast out. Jesus says, anyone who calls on my name, I will save you. I will forgive you of your sin. Start there. For some of you here today that are just overwhelmed because of your guilt and condemnation for trying to serve God through those works, I say to you, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For those of you here today that you feel like you're you, maybe you were brought up in church. Maybe you were brought up in a Christian family. You, you, man, you were pumped. You were pumped to memorize scriptures. You were, you were pumped what not to do. You know, you, it was just pumped. And you lived that way for a while because you're underneath your parents' house. But then the minute you got out of your parents' house, you lived your own way because it was meaningless to you after a while. I say to you, come back to Christ and let him change your heart. Because the... The worst thing in the world is for you to know what not to do and not to do it. Jesus says, come back to me and let me forgive you. Some of you, you just may be cold in your relationship with God. Your your relationship with him has just gone a little stale. Come back to Jesus. Let him renew the joy of your salvation again. That's what David did. David said, God, after his sin with Bathsheba, Lord, Lord, give me the joy of my salvation again. Don't, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't, don't take your presence from me. That's one place I hope I never will be, that place where I feel like God's presence is no longer in my life. Renew that relationship with God again. So as we sing, have God change you from the inside out and have him renew that relationship with you again. If you've sinned and you've fallen, humble yourself before God. And the word of God says he will forgive you of your unrighteousness. He will cleanse you from that because of what Christ has done for you 2,000 years ago on that cross. So, Lord, we come before you. God, I pray that our lives would not be lives that are run by the do's and the don'ts, but are run by a relationship with you that causes us to obey your commands because we've established our relationship with you. Help us to get that in order today. So for those that need to come to you, Jesus, I pray that they would. For those, of, for those that their relationship with you has gone stale, I pray that you would renew that today in their hearts and that, God, we would recommit our lives to you today as we lay our hearts before you. Thank you that you're a merciful, forgiving God, that we can come to you and we can find forgiveness and freedom for our mistakes. Lord, I pray that that we would see that you are a holy God and nothing unholy can approach your throne room. So we need your forgiveness. And the commandments are there to show us, God, how far we have fallen. But thank you that we can find a new relationship with you through Christ Jesus who's done everything for us. And what keeps us clean and holy is our relationship with Jesus and how close we are with him and how we stay with him. So God, renew that relationship. If we are in sin today, if we've walked away from you, renew our relationship with Christ that we might return to you. And thank you that you take us back. Thank you, Lord, that you receive us. Thank you for your grace that none of us deserve, but you gave because of your love. So Lord, change us today as we renew our relationship with you. In Jesus' name.
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand.